Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL has the people insight to help you build a talent strategy that achieves outcomes like increased productivity, internal mobility, engagement and leadership diversity. SHL brings transparent AI technology, decades of trustworthy data science and objectivity to help companies attract develop and grow the workforce you need to succeed in the digital era. Visit shl.com to learn how you can unlock the full potential of your greatest asset, your people. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 296 of the Recruiting Future podcast. A crisis is always a catalyst for change, and the events of 2020 have the potential to drive some of the fastest and most significant change we've ever seen in talent acquisition. Long-term effects and implications are still difficult to judge particularly with such a mixed market picture and many employers still dealing with the immediate fallout of a forced digital transformation in recruiting. It's clear, though, that engagement and mobility are two powerful themes for the future, as talent acquisition leaders reset and develop strategies for 2021. My guest this week is Gareth Flynn, Managing Director of TQ Solutions. Gareth is working at the cutting edge of change in talent acquisition and is helping some of Australia's biggest employers develop talent strategies and operating models for the changed future. Hi, Gareth, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. Great to be here. I'm a a first time participant, but long time listener. So wonderful to be here. Fantastic and fantastic to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Uh, So Gareth Flynn, uh, I'm the um, founder and managing director of a consultancy, a talent consultancy based in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, We've been going for 12 years. Uh, It started in 2008 during the last global crisis. And uh, our focus is um, helping companies uh, build, transform and um, uh, their talent functions, their talent operating models, so we work with enterprise clients and, uh, yeah, I've been really fortunate to work with some fantastic brands over the last 12 years. Um, and earlier, prior to that, I actually worked in RPO uh, for Alexander Mann. And in my very long past history, um, I used to be a finance guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably good with numbers as well. It must have been really interesting to kind of track the, the evolution of talent acquisition during that period of time. What kind of phases ha- have you seen it go through? What's your sort of take on how talent acquisition has evolved and, and where it's heading now? Yeah, great, great question. We, we've actually been, we actually have been mulling over this a fair bit and also thinking about where it's heading. Uh, I, I think, you know, TA as a discipline, um, you know, it's 20 years old. Um, really started obviously in that early 2000 period and it was really just about bringing agency recruitment in-house in the early days and I think um, you know the main focus in the first years was about building that capability within a company people technology you know, basic branding career sites uh, etc cetera, etc cetera. 
And that first decade was about transformation from old, more agency-driven models to what you know more of the in-house, uh, what we call in-house powerhouse. It really started during that first ten years. I think, uh, and, and particularly in, in you know with this market here, we're we're a pretty small market with some very tight um, uh, talent scarcity, talent shortages. And so what, what then transitioned was a much more sophistication more towards employer brand-led um, uh, recruitment from within companies. So there was a big push, you know, 2015 onwards, really around EVP, brand, uh, sourcing as a, as a real discipline, um, and a bit of splintering of the recruiting role in-house from your, you know, you're a, recru- you're a recruiter and you do everything to actually, well, there's a sourcer and there's a recruiter and there's some data people and there's some brand people. And I think where we were earlier this year was a really interesting space. You know, we were seeing, you know, we've got this expression that clients were trying to automate this and experience that. It was all about automation, digitization, but it was also also about experience, hiring manager experience, candidate experience, recruiter experience. Um, and um, the tech evolution that's taken place in the last five years that's really got us to the point where we can literally automate all of recruitment today if we wanted to has just been staggering to watch um you know the last five years has has dwarfed the last 20 when it comes to technology um advancement in the industry um so that's kind of if I was to summarise, that's where I see the big phases over the last few years. I couldn't agree with you more, particularly about the tech revolution in the last few years and and the rise of the potential of automation. Although it may be the case that, that a lot of organisations haven't haven't quite haven't quite got there yet. So how how is twenty twenty changing things? What are you seeing now in terms of? how talent acquisition teams are thinking and behaving and what what should they be focusing on in the future? Yeah, um, and I think for us, we, this has been our main focus of the last six months. I mean, we're, we're here to advise companies on their strategy for their talent functions. It's something we've had to really think about ourselves as a business. I think the interesting thing, Matt, at the moment, um, we have a really multi-speed economy at a global level. Not only regions are, are, are open more open than others, but actually, we've got here. I mean, let's take Australia as an example. Some of our industry sectors have never been busier, and so they are they're in full on acquisition mode. You know, supermarkets, technology businesses, essential services. Um, I mean, they are uh, operating at levels that they haven't seen in the last twenty years. So you, you've got that that part of the market that's just coping with crazy growth. Um, and then you have other areas of the market that's just completely flat. And actually, talent acquisition is redundant and irrelevant to those organizations. And so, you know, when, when you reflect on that question, you've got to look at the context of the industry you're facing into. Um, you know, I do think companies that have generally been impacted by COVID to some degree will be moving more towards uh, um, business resilience and, and people risk reduction across the board. And I think we've seen a big move towards um, companies trying to uh, get visibility of their workforce. You know, we've seen some very big businesses who, who you know, have operating units that have been um, really impacted and some that haven't. And they've been try- desperately trying to move workforce to other areas of their organization. But they've had no line of sight over the skills and people in their business. So we are seeing a big move towards uh, workforce visibility initiatives and programs they'll ultimately will fuel a, a mobility strategy for these companies moving forward. 
So for us, we're seeing a really uh, a pivot from talent functions being very acquisition focused and, and really that, that being their service to, 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 to talent functions that are focused on talent engagement and mobility. And, and talent is total talent. It doesn't matter whether it's perm or contingent or, or gig or statement of work. It's total talent. Engagement and, and the experience they're trying to create is a key focus area. But it's all about mobility and about talent retention and talent moves within the organization. I think that's a really key difference in the latter part of 2020 as companies start to, to, to develop their mobility strategies. Let's break that down a bit because I know it's part of a model that you're that you're currently working to. Talk to me a bit more about the, the engagement part of that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, engagement's obviously been a, a critical part of um, more progressed talent functions in, in the past. Um, and for us, um, engagement is uh, any, any touch point in the life cycle of the relationship talent has with a company is engagement. So that could be, you know, going back to the sourcing function we talked about earlier, that could be the initial reach and touch of the brand from a sourcing perspective. Your talent nurturing, your talent pipelining, that's an engagement play. Your recruitment process and your onboarding process is an engagement play, and that's obviously what we're, we're, we're most used to. But what we are seeing where I think, and actually what I'm most excited about from an industry perspective, is that we're now moving into a phase where um, traditional talent functions are getting more involved in the development and the mobility of talent within an organization and helping people with their careers with opportunities, with moves um, internally or externally, um, and so this is the this is the era we're now moving into, which is a world of more um, career coach, career advisory, um, helping the business identify talent within the organisation, um, and and being the um, uh, the conduit towards those moves internally. And ultimately, when they leave, it's still about engagement. When you're running alumni programs and communities post post. Um, the work itself, that is also engagement. So as we automate process and admin, what we want to see is talent functions stepping up into higher value work. And a lot of that work is about um, engagement and the experience that's created between the talent and the organization. And just to dig into the the technology Side side of that. So we talked about automation. We've we've talked about the rapid progress of technology in the last five years. What role does technology play now? What should companies be thinking about in terms of the, the technology that they have? What what does fit for purpose look like? Where should they be investing? Yeah, it's a great question, and I probably Matt would reframe this question slightly. So so I'll share. I won't mention the name, but we were working with a big global um, financial service company last year. And we were, the project scope was help us with our tech strategy for the function. And we pushed back a little bit on that and said, that's the wrong question. The question should be, what's the strategy for the function? And what are the services that you want this function to deliver to the business? And once you identify the service model that you want to build, you go looking for the enablement, which is the technology. And I think for us, we have to get the, the strategy right and we have to get the service model right. And then the technology is the plugin that makes it happen along with the people. But the other critical question, and because 
you can automate everything in recruitment today. Um, I mean, there's a, my old RPO company, Alexander Mann, have recently launched a, a product that automates the entire recruitment process for casual workers. It's, you can do it today, but it doesn't mean that you should. And for some, some brands, the question they need to ask is, you know, what are the critical moments that matter around engagement and experience? And is there a human involved or is it just going to be technology? And, that, and if technology, what's the tech? So that, that's the sequence we normally work through with clients to help them understand what their tech, tech stack or their tech strategy should be. But it's always in support of the service model and the overarching strategy of the function. Absolutely. And that that really is critical. Lots of talent functions going through a huge period of change at the moment. As you said, markets are different by country, markets are different by by industry. Um, and, and there's just a, a, a sort of a huge transformation going on at the moment. Talent acquisition leaders who are, are listening and are kind of planning where they go next, how their team evolves, how their service model evolves. What advice or, or, or tools could you could you give them to to really help with that transformation? Yeah, look, I think the first thing we would recommend, and, and you know, it's almost the scope of a consulting project that we would run, but they can do it themselves if they have the adequate resources to do it. The first thing they really need to do is understand where the, I mean, obviously it's a no-brainer, but understand where the business is at. What are the priorities for the organization? They have to unpack where they sit in that multi-speed economy. Um, I think I've seen a lot of TA leaders um, increasingly frustrated recently because they can't get their agenda um, through and they can't get the things they want to do through. But there's actually a bit of reality here, Matt, that it's just not the business's priority at the moment. For some of these businesses, cash flow and survival is the priority. It isn't a nice to do in talent. So I think, I, I do think pausing and taking stock and listening to the business priority is, is, is the first place to start. Um, the, the, the other consideration um, is getting feedback from stakeholders, um, really understanding what they're thinking about the service model or, or the function itself. So they have to invest in that voice of customer. Um, you know, we have a number of clients that you know poll hiring managers and unsuccessful and successful applicants or new hires. Um, it's, that's just a critical thing to do as they think about their services they want to build. Um, and I, I think actually understanding the baseline of how you're performing is critical as well. So uh, really lifting the lid on your function and, and giving it a critical eye on, on what's working, what's not. And the other thing, Matt, which we've obviously, we've actually developed a tool to help, um, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll unpack this a little bit more, but we have, we've, we've developed for the industry a self-diagnostic tool that a talent leader can, and it's free, it's not, we're not, not, this is not me selling it, it's free, and we want to give it to leaders to use, but it will help them, it will help them identify what their problem is that they need to work on, rather than just assuming they know the problem it will really give them some guidance on where they, um, where they, where they, where they're performing from a uh, maturity perspective or from an enablement perspective, um, and that's what we call our talent maturity model. So, talk us through that in a bit more detail. So, I know that there are sort of various levels and and, and aspects of the maturity model. Can you sort of talk us through it? To, to give people um, a bit more of a sense of what they can get out of it and, and what it's actually measuring. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. I think it's also worth um, just reflecting briefly on the history of it. 
So we were working on a project with um, it was with Australia Post, so um, a very large um, government business service over here in Australia, and we were a part of a Pricewaterhouse Coopers project, and we were we were the SME in the talent vertical, and we wanted to assess um, how well Australia Post was performing, um, and we I had a maturity model is very very traditional in nature at the time, and very similar to lots of maturity models out there four levels, descriptions, and you kind of pick where you were. And we didn't think it was very useful. So we we pitched the idea of co-creating a maturity model with our industry networks um, and using it to assess Australia post-maturity and to help build a roadmap for them to develop their model. And so we, we were, we, thankfully, our stakeholders signed off the program of work and we got 30 to 40 uh, industry leaders uh, mostly from talent acquisition leadership roles some of some vendors locally and we built um, a maturity model um, based on different criteria that pwc and tq solutions um kind of wordsmithed and, and made it pretty and and, and then we we used it as a, as a a tool in our consulting business for the last three years but it 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 was great at the time and it was very acquisition focus focused um, which was a bit of a miss back in 2017. Um, and it wasn't useful for the industry more broadly. So last year, I picked up the phone to PwC and said, hey, can we get back together? I want to do a version 2.0. And I want to make it more um, focused on acquisition and mobility. And I also want to create a, a tool, a survey tool for the industry to use. Um, and f- so that we can actually make, we can, we can share it much more easily in an open source way. And, and we did that. We got 50, 40 to 50 um, people together to get some more input from the market. And we co-created this with industry. And we were launching it in, in March this year uh, when the world all changed. Um, and we put, thankfully paused. And then post, post-COVID hitting, TQ Solutions has recalibrated it even further and made it relevant for post-COVID and also um, with a talent engagement and mobility flavor to it. Um, so it, that, that's the history of it. I think it's important to know that it's, it's, it's a co-created piece with industry. It's not just our, 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 our thinking. We've, we've built this thing with, with practitioners like your audience. And one, one of the big changes we made in the second version, um, and, and TQ, we, we, we probably used it know, 20, 30 times over the last few years. Um, and one of the things we realized quite early on is that the first iteration didn't have enough weighting with organizational mindset and leadership mindset towards people and talent. So the new model is split into two. It's got three dimensions that talk to organizational mindset um, and then five um, dimensions that talk to enablement, you know, technology, people, brand, policy, analytics. But where what we've seen is the mindset is by far and away the most um, important ingredient for talent transformation. That's really interesting, and I can see why that would be. I suppose just just to finish off on this, I mean, could you break down that that mindset a, a little bit a little bit more? What are the elements of it? So I think for me, it's um, you know, we, we we've got three categories. I mean, people and talent strategy. So this really talks to is the people and talent strategy coherently aligned to the business strategy. 
does the business input into the people and talent strategy? So, so where, where in some companies, you know, people and talent almost operate in this, in this world of their own, in this silo that is, is just, it's just distant to the actual business reality. So these two being glued together is so critical. And it's, again, it's co-created in, in progressive companies um, where we see this working. The people and talent strategy is actually part, is part of the business strategy. It's one and the same. The other one is um, the accountability. Again, in a lot of immature businesses, uh, we, we hear when we're interviewing business leaders, oh, that's HR's problem. Oh, that's the people team's responsibility. Oh, no, I get my talent acquisition folk to do that for me. And, and they've, they've almost um, sort of passed all of the responsibility and accountability to, to um, a, a central service. And, and for us, again, in, in mature companies, uh, you see the CEO going, well, actually, no, recruitment's my responsibility. Um, developing people is my responsibility. Yes, I'll work with, with people in HR to help, but actually, that's my job. Um, and so that's another piece. It's around accountability and, and people's views of who should be doing what um, when it comes to um, people and talent. And then the third one for us is around um, decision-making, um, you know, how decisions are made relating to talent engagement and mobility, um, how data feeds into those decision-making processes, who makes those decisions in the organisation, how are those decisions made. Um, again, they're, they're, they're not, that's another piece around mindset. It's almost like a ways of working that has an influence over the model. So they're the three, they're the three measures we, 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 or dimensions we measure, and each of those would have in the survey, sort of six to seven questions that you would respond to that would give you an aggregated score for that dimension. But mindset is a, an accelerator or it's a handbrake. And I think for us, too many companies in the last five years have been trying to fix enablement, but they haven't, they haven't focused on the big prize, which is mindset. I'll come back and ask you where people can access the model in a second. Sure. But before I do, let's talk about the the future just a, a little bit. Obviously, impossible to to make accurate predictions about what's going to happen. But but interested in your perspective, what do you think twenty twenty one is going to look like? If we were doing this interview this time next year, what would we be talking about? I sincerely hope I'm not still in lockdown in twenty twenty one, which we, we currently are in melbourne um yeah look it's a it's a it's a it's a fascinating um question i I, um i think 2021 is going to be a pretty ropey year if i'm really honest with you matt um i think the economies around the world are going to really struggle we're going to have periods of um uh the virus coming backwards in and you know shutdowns i think they'll continue during 2021 and and so Again, depending on the industry sector you're in, the impact is, is going to be very different. Um, so it's, I think it, for a lot of companies, it's going to be about surviving through that period. I don't think anyone's going to thrive through 2021. I think they're going to survive 2021. But I do think the clever organizations are the ones that are really thinking about when this um, crisis is, 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 is diminishing um, and they want to get on the front foot. And, you know, I, I remember hearing about the Atlassian story that in 2008, 
when everyone else was firing their um, people, they started hiring aggressively because they knew the crisis would end and they wanted to start to, to get the, the rub on their competitors. And they went to market and hired some of the best talent in the market. They took a long a long term view of the um, of, of the, of the business cycle. I think companies that are approaching the market in that way and are thinking about recovery and, and how to get ahead of the game, um, but both from a you know an operational perspective, so how we how we set up and how how we're going to work, but also you know strategic hiring, capability build. Um, upskilling your, your your people and your leaders now in, in preparation for when the market moves in the future. So I think you know we see a real opportunity in the next period of time for companies to start investing in leadership dev, uh, leadership development, um, r- really working on that mindset view. So I'd love to see this time next year several of my clients here locally, firstly help m- moving the dial on leadership development and maturity when it comes to people and talent. And I'd also love to see a few of our clients here locally um, who are making some strategic bets around mobility. And I, I, I must admit, I know a couple that are looking at it right now. I think they'll move ahead of some of their competition, which which I'm really encouraged by. So final question, you've given us a really good flavor of the maturity model. How can people access it? Yeah, we, we when we um, produce V2.0, um, I spoke to PwC just about comfort levels on this, but we just wanted to open source it. Um, you know, we're a, a relatively boutique consultancy here in Australia, and I think one thing COVID has taught us, Matt, is that we can actually have a bit of global reach and a global voice, and the crisis has been great in in giving us the confidence to do that. So we we just thought, well, let's just let's just publicise it and stick it on our website. Um, so we've shared it on social channels and LinkedIn, etc. But any of your audience can hop onto um, our website, which is tqsolutions.com.au. There's actually in, in the top navigation bar, maturity model is, is one of the headings. And in there, they'll find um, an, in- an industry briefing pack, which gives a bit of history on the maturity model and how it was developed and, and who was involved. And the actual self-diagnostic is um, a wireframe in our website. So people can just hop in, um, they can complete the survey, and providing they give them, they do have to give their name and email because we actually have to send it to them. If they do that, we'll send them um, a, a complimentary outputs report, um, which they can you know, share internally and digest. And, and what I'd encourage, um, Matt, which we've seen great success with some of our own clients here, is if four or five different people from within the same organization sit the self-diagnostic and they can start to compare and contrast some of the differences and responses um, which is a really interesting conversation in itself um, and helps to calibrate the results and also for the company to really work out um, you know where they genuinely sit Um, so yeah it's, it's public it's on our website it doesn't cost anything we don't want anything from people for it. We just want people to use it and hopefully add some value to, to their strategic decision making um, as they evolve their talent functions. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Gareth, thank you very much for talking to me. It's a pleasure, Matt. Thank you very much. And um, I yeah, look forward to continuing to hearing your podcast in the months to come. My thanks to Gareth Flynn. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. 
Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.